Okay, take your Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We've been working our way through the book of Ecclesiastes, so if you're just joining us for the first time or you missed a few uh, messages, we'll try to cover that and get you kind of up to speed. Uh, how many of you enjoy watching the news? Some, I mean, it's okay. You can, you can admit to it. Nothing wrong with that. How many of you try to avoid the news because it's too depressing? Okay, there's, there's probably more of those, all right? Uh, and, and I think there's a balance there, probably. I'm not preaching on that. I'm not trying to give you advice on whether you should watch the news or not. But the book, there's a lot of bad news in the world, isn't there? There's a lot of rough things going on. And the book of Ecclesiastes takes an honest look at life. He's not sugarcoating things. He's not uh, saying, hey, everything's just great. Don't worry about it. He does talk about life, this, uh, the author, which we believe is Solomon. He calls himself the preacher. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes means the preacher. And he looks at life and he talks about vanity and vexation of spirit and this kind of darkness. He even talks about all these things that are just the way life runs. Think about this. Solomon paused. He had all the money, all the time, and he paused to study life for a little bit. And this is probably about 3,000 years ago. And he analyzed things, and God allowed him to write it in the Bible for us, inspired. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it reads a lot like 2023. The, things were unfair back then, they're unfair now. The, sometimes the, the wicked get ahead and the, and the righteous don't. And some of these things that we see over and over and over again is just as true 3,000 years ago as it is today because this is the way life works. And so this kind of dark backdrop that he painted... Uh, it's, it's like life. There is a lot of darkness, a lot of sadness. But last week we began to turn the page and talk about some things. Even in the book of Ecclesiastes that the author says we get to enjoy. And this came as a surprise to me as I studied the book of Ecclesiastes. Because I always knew Ecclesiastes is about vanity. Vanity. All is vanity. Vexation of spirit. It's kind of this uh, dark book about life. And I, I knew that. But I didn't realize that over 15 times we find the words enjoy, joy, rejoice, marry. They're used over and over and over again. So even under the sun, even at this life, if you take uh, Christ out of it, there's some things we get to enjoy in life. And we're working our way through that today. We'll finish that up and then we'll get to the conclusion of the whole matter. Uh, not next week, but the week after when we get back to Ecclesiastes. All right. So we're looking at these things that we get to enjoy. Last week we talked about we get to enjoy and we saw it over and over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. You work hard, eat and drink and be merry and enjoy uh, the possessions that God gives you. Enjoy those things and enjoy what God gives you in this life. As It's your part. It's your portion. It's, uh, it's from the hand of God. Every good and good perfect gift comes down from the Father. So enjoy the things of this life that God gives us to enjoy. And sometimes we just forget how to enjoy life because we're bogged down. We're in a season of discouragement. And so I just wanted to encourage you last week to enjoy the fruit of your labor. So we're going to continue on now looking at Ecclesiastes, some things that we get to enjoy. Not only the fruit of our labor, but we all, here we see the next thing is we get to enjoy the relationships of your life. There are relationships that you have in this life under the sun that we should be enjoying. We're going to talk about that today. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Heavenly Fathers, we focus now uh, on these few verses from your word in this book of Ecclesiastes, help us to keep things in perspective and help us to learn and then apply in our lives these truths from your word. Help us this week to learn to enjoy the relationships that you bring into our life. 
And so, Lord, help us to make the most of those and to be an encouragement to others. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 we'll look at today. 4, and we'll start in verse number 9. If you have a handout, I think the verses are on the handout for you. If not, every week we try to have a handout for you. You can grab it next week. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Let me just stop and pause. If you want to do another study in Ecclesiastes, which I didn't do, but maybe you could do, the word better is used almost as many times as the word vanity in the book of Ecclesiastes. So as he analyzes life, he's saying, no, this is better, this is better, this is better. So he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, verse number 10, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, uh, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? Verse 12, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Here it talks about relationship. Enjoy this. We were meant to, to live life in community. No man is an island to himself. You're meant to have deep and, and real relationships, not just surface relationships, you know, our conversations have to go from awkward to authentic. You know, there has to be, I mean, the first conversations are sometimes awkward, but we need to learn to grow. We have sometimes uh, in small group sessions, you know, the awkwardness that begins, but hopefully you get to an authentic conversation and real friendships. I hope you have some people in your life that you can go to and have real, authentic community. Uh, the Bible here says several things about this. It says two are better than one if you have this re- these relationships. And now, this is not just talking about a husband and wife, but it certainly applies to that. In fact, this was the verse that God used in my life when I started dating Jackie. I'm not sure what verse God used in her life. Maybe it's something about mercy or grace or something being kind to those. Whatever it was, I was, I was praying about, you know, Jackie and our relationships, and, and I read these verses, and, and God just said, hey, it, it's, this is the right one. This is the right one. And so two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. I want to say, first of all, as you see here, we work with each other. Two are better than one because they have a better reward for their labor. As you work together, there's more reward for your labor, for your work. And so I believe that you, as you join a church like ours, our church can do more than if, if all of us went off and did things individually by ourselves. We, that's how God works through people and through groups. And the Bible says that two are better because they have a better reward, a good reward for their labor. So we uh, find purpose in our relationship as we work with each other. We have a good reward. And then uh, I think you see in verse number 10, it says, For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. If you're by yourself, no one can help you up when you're discouraged and down. And, and uh, there's a, a friend of mine I'm reaching out to right now. I know he's discouraged. I know he's down. And, and I'm texting him. And I'm calling him. And, and you know what? He's not returning my calls. He is at a point where he is pulling back. Very dangerous situation. In fact, I'd ask you to pray for him. Because I know as, as we pull back, that's not how God meant it to be. We need to be around each other when we're discouraged and down because if one's fallen, someone else can lift them up. There, uh, in our office, I have a 
I, I used to have a, like a love seat or a couch, and Pastor Stone for many years had a love seat or a couch. And, his, and sometimes when I was down, I would go lay on his couch, and he would counsel me through and try to cheer me up. And there's many times that he came in my office, and he laid down, and, and, it was, and Brother Vasquez, you understand what I'm saying, right? There's just days where you're like, ah, I just need, I need to talk this through with somebody. And sometimes when I was down, he was up. And sometimes when he was down, I was up. And we could help each other. And I'm sure you found that with your spouse at times. But you need to have these real relationships because if you fall and you're alone. So I would say it this way. Not only do we work with each other, we win with each other. You have someone to help you up and get to the finish line. If you fall and there's no one there, you don't have someone to help you up. So as we work together, we win with each other. Look at verse number 11. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone. Say this, we, we warm each other. We encourage each other. That, that's the idea here. The idea is that there's a, there's a warmth among people that you need to have. And, and you bounce off each other and you help each other. So we, we can warm, encourage one another. And stir, the Bible uses this word in the, New, in the New Testament. You know, stir one another up. Provoke one another to love and good works. I, I, I want to come to church to be provoked not to anger, but to love. And so we come in community to be provoked, to be stirred up. And so we can warm each other. We can work with each other. We can win with each other. Look at verse number 12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's strength in numbers, right? We see that. So if you're by yourself and the enemy comes against you, that's one thing. If you have two people and the enemy, that's harder. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's strength in numbers. So I would say it this way. We war for each other. Not with each, we should be warring with each other. Sadly, if you step outside the walls of, these, of this, the churches and ask people what church people are like, we're probably known more as church people for warring with each other than for each other. And I think if we got a real perspective of this spiritual battle that goes on every day in the lives of people, some of the things that we argue and bicker about wouldn't be so important. We would be more warring for each other than with each other. My brother is, uh, was in the military. He's in the Marines for 20 years. And so there's a, there's a bond, there's a, there's a band that when men go into battle together. My brother didn't do much uh, battle. He was over in Iraq, more in an office job. He said, I was in the safe place in Iraq. He said, it's like being in a dry spot in the ocean. He said, there's really no safe place in Iraq. But he said, I was there, but I wasn't out like fighting. But there's that bond of, uh, you know, no man left behind, Right. We don't have that mentality as believers like in a community, in a church community. That no man left behind. There's somebody else. That, you're, you're down. We'll help you up. We're not going to war. We're not going to kick you while you're down. Hey, sadly, even pastors do this. Other pastors at times. Sad. That, that's not the. That's not biblical. <laughs> biblical part is two are better than one because you have a good reward for their labor. Because if one's down, you can help them back up, and and you can have an encouragement and warmth among you. And then as you war with each other, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. See how it works? And this is amazing truth that God says, hey, while you're here on this earth, under the sun, enjoy deep relationships with each other. 
It's important that you find your people. Find people that you can relate to and you can connect with and you can work with and you can, and you can enjoy life together. So enjoy these relationships of your life. Look at verse, chapter 9, verse number 9 of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 9, verse number 9. The Bible says, Live joyfully with thy wife, whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity. And that sounds funny. Like, love her all the days of your life of your vanity. Like, it has to be a negative spin there at the end, it seems like. Which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. The Bible here says, don't forget, as you go through this, this, this life full of vanity and struggles, and the bills come, and the struggles come, and sickness comes, and health problems come, and other relationships come outside the family, don't forget your wife. <laughs> don't forget that relationship. Live joyfully with her all the days of your life under the sun. Enjoy it. Think about this. There's not many relationships in this life that you get to choose. <laughs> you didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your spouse's parents. When you chose them, that's the choice you made. And so you made one important choice together. And God says, don't forget to enjoy that. Just live joyfully all the day, under the sun, this vanity. Uh, and remember, vanity doesn't just doesn't mean empty. It means like, uh, it means that not satisfying. It's not full. so. This world's not satisfying, but you have this deep-seated relationship that you can enjoy. Love your spouse all the days of your life, and God gives us these special relationships to enjoy. We believe, based on the New Testament, that you're not married in heaven. That doesn't sound very romantic, I know, but that's what I think the Bible teaches. Uh, my pastor, Dr. Thompson, someone asked him, will I know my dad when I get to heaven? He said, you won't be dumber in heaven than you are now. Do, do you know your dad now? He said, you'll know your dad in heaven. <laughs> As only Dr. Thompson can say. <laughs> right? Will, will we know each other? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that Jackie was my wife. Yes. Are we going to share our mansion? No, i got a mansion all to myself. I, I have no idea how it's going to go. I don't, I don't know. As long as she does the laundry and the cooking, I'd be happy with it. <laughs> just decent. Just decent. But by the way, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about it. He's looking at life under the sun. <laughs> Enjoy. Live joyfully with your wife, whom you love all the days of your life with this vanity. Yeah, there's a lot of vanity, a lot of emptiness, but this relationship's special. And so enjoy it. And so we are to enjoy the relationships of life. Turn now to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And I'll finish up with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Again, some of you here, you're not married. You say, well, I'm not married. Well, that's all right. Something to look forward to. This will, this will also eliminate some of us as we look at this next one. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9. Enjoy the days of your youth. <laughs> and some of you said, been there, done that. And the Bible does say, enjoy the days of your youth. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and the sight of thine eyes. 
But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Okay, let me explain these verses. There's two different ways to look at these verses. Some people look at it like, a, like sarcastic. It's like the author saying, hey, go ahead, live it up, young man. Do your thing. Follow your heart. Enjoy life because God's going to judge you. And one day God's going to bring all these things in judgment. So, you know, and all youth and stuff is all fleeting anyway. So go ahead and live it up while you got it because in the end you're going to be judged. I don't think that's how it's meant to be taken. I think it's not sarcastic, but instructive to us. See, I, I think youth is something we should be rejoiced in. I, I love having kids in our service. This is one reason why we have afternoon service without having other kids' classes. We want kids to sit in preaching. I know it's hard. I know it's not the most exciting thing, but it's good for you to learn to sit in a service and hear God's word preached. It is. And we want you to be part of our service. And I love the youth of our church. And youth is something to be excited about. And again, I'm not drawing a line where youth is and where it's not, because I'm still, I'm still in the youth department here, I think, according to what I read. Because chapter 12 does kind of give a, an analogy of what old people look like, and I'm not quite there yet, all right? So some things. My, I think it talks about your hair being like almond trees. I think I do have that, which means going gray. So anyway, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, but here, the youth. Rejoice in it. Even if it's not, la- that's what it says, youth and childhood are, are vanity. It's not lasting. It, it, it's it's, it's going to be a time. Enjoy it while you got it. Hey, I remember when I was 18, I was ready to be out of high school and on to the next phase of life, right? And then I went to college, and I was loving the college. I was loving college life, and I was going to college in Florida, not a bad choice, and I was down there, and I was enjoying the whole college experience. And my senior year, my last year came along, and I was like, I'm about done with this. And I was ready to move on to the next phase, right? And so youth and childhood are vanity. There, there was, it was great. Well, I loved playing on a high school basketball team. I remember those days and all those things we did as teenagers and, and you know, going out with our friends. And so I remember all that, but I was ready to move on. It's not satisfying and it's not lasting, but it's still something we should rejoice in. And then it says this, look back in verse number nine. Let thy heart cheer thee in thy days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and the sight of thine eyes. Now, so if you're, is that saying to you, like, just follow your heart? Whatever your eye sees, go. Is that what it's saying? Well, if it is, it's, the Bible says that that's not a good advice to follow your heart, right? Your heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, what does that mean? Well, here's what I think it means I think it means that you can't. You can follow your heart to a certain extent, remembering that all things are brought into judgment. So there, uh, there are things that I enjoy that you don't. I enjoy sports. I do. I, I, uh, there's several guys here I'll talk football with, I'll talk hockey with, I'll talk baseball with, and not just guys, girls. We got some of our ladies are, are big hockey fans and big, and I love talking. Those is that wrong? No. I I, I get to kind of follow my heart and do what I enjoy in the realm of what God wants me to do, right? Remember that for all, all these choices I make, God will bring me into judgment. That's, what, that's the point. The point is you can choose those things that you, just because you like it doesn't make it wrong, but just because you like it doesn't make it right. Does that make sense? And so that's what God is saying. Like, this is the balance here. If you find something you enjoy, you enjoy doing this, and you enjoy outdoor activities, you enjoy indoor, you enjoy video games, all those things... Video, is video gaming wrong? No. If you do it all day, every day, for all your life, 
probably a little out of balance, <laughs> right? So enjoy those things. This is what the Bible is saying. Either way, the point is this. There is a judgment day coming, right? That's the idea. He'll bring all things into judgment. And he says, therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. Don't do something as a teenager that you'll be sorry for later on in life. Remove sorrow from your heart. Follow God now. Rejoice in the days of youth. Enjoy what you have right now. Knowing this, that God will bring all things into judgment. Put away evil from your flesh. Don't give in to sinful desires. Flee also youthful lusts. There are lusts and desires that are more prevalent and stronger as a young person, and they go away as you get older. Flee those things. Don't give in. Don't enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, the Bible says. Enjoy the, the days of your youth in a right, godly way. There ought to be no one happier than a, a, a young teenager, young adult, who's focused on God and just loving life. Enjoy your youth. This is the point of the passage. And so here we see, enjoy the fruit of your labor, we saw last week. Enjoy the relationships of your life and enjoy the days of your youth. So when the darkness of life under the sun gets you a little down and discouraged, and it's going to happen, there's going to be those days, stop and enjoy the things that God gave you to enjoy. I, we were, several people said to me like last week, about going for a milkshake and going for a steak dinner because that's a couple of things we talked about, like enjoying. That's things that I enjoy, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You're, you're having a down day? and Do, do something that you enjoy. You're having a, a, a rough go? Don't forget why you fell in love with your spouse. Go back and enjoy that relationship. Do you have a friend that makes you laugh? Call him up. <laughs> There's... People just, they'll call and say, hey, just, hey, make me laugh. When I was, this is, this is kind of maybe off track a little bit, but when I was young in high school, when I was like in grade nine, I got connected with these like upperclassmen, grade 11 and grade 12. And for some reason, they would call, like as you, in, in the Christian school anyway, as you got older, you worked your way to the back of the bus. So the older kids sat in the back of the bus and the grade nine sat in the front. And so they would call me to the back of the bus and they literally say, Mike, come on back here, sit down, make me laugh. That's what they say. No, no pressure or anything. No, that, was, that wasn't a difficult thing. So I just do my best to, like, what, what, I don't know. I, I got no new routine. I need to get some new jokes or something. But I'll go back there and, and try to make them laugh. And that was, I was the, uh, I guess, I, I never got paid for that, by the way. I never got anything out of that. I don't know why I did that. But anyway, you have a friend that makes you laugh? Get around them. Say, hey, let's just go for coffee. And maybe you don't go for coffee and talk about the deep problem. Maybe just go and you laugh. Have a good time. Enjoy this life. Enjoy some, but maybe it is. I just need to talk to somebody, talk through some things. I need, I need a place on the couch. This, this week is my turn to come in and, and uh, cry a little bit. And, and I need to laugh a little bit. I need to turn this thing around. Find someone that can speak truth into your heart when you're believing lies. You get down discouraged because you believe lie after lie after lie of the devil and get someone that can speak truth into your heart. Have that friendship. Enjoy the days of your youth. If God's given you health and energy, enjoy it. Be thankful for it. These are bright stars in the sky of a dark backdrop of a sin-cursed world that even in the book of Ecclesiastes, over 15 times, 
enjoy, be merry, rejoice. Even if it's dark, there's things to enjoy. So I hope that's an encouragement and a challenge to you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Just as we finish up here with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe this week you need to call somebody. You're discouraged, you're down, you're hurting. Don't pull away. Lean in. Lean into somebody. Find somebody in community. Maybe it's somebody that's in this room right now. Maybe it's a family member. Someone that can speak truth to you, that can make you laugh, that can help you out. Maybe it's just in your marriage right now, things have got a little, you know, a little off. A little cold. You need to go back to remembering why you chose them and they chose you in the first place and enjoy the wife that God gave you or the husband God gave you. Enjoy your deep relationship. If you're searching for deep relations, I hope you'll find some here. Maybe you're here today and say, I'm really struggling with a deep, that really, I'm looking for that. Whether it be a young person, adults, I hope you find what you're looking for. Enjoy these things that God gave us to enjoy. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the encouragement it is. I pray that we'd apply it this week in our lives. In your name we pray, amen.